Good evening, good evening. This is the podcast God's Holy Word. I am your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan, and I wanted to read to you Psalm 46. This one is from the King James Version. I absolutely love this one. It's a really good Bible, and again, the one I got was from Barnes and Noble, so it is a thick one. It has very beautiful artwork that was painted by a Frenchman, I think back in the 18th or 19th century, so it's a really pretty one. But I love the translation of this, and I thought I would do an episode on Psalm 46 real quick because it is just so good. So let's go ahead and take a look at this. It says, "God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Salah, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the most high. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her and that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved, he uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Salah. This one just really sang true to me because of all the things we've been going through here lately, especially with the Ukraine and with Russia attacking Ukraine. And then also just kind of the frustrations that people have been feeling in our society as well as in our economies. I think there are some people that they are feeling desolate and they are feeling like God is not listening to them. He doesn't care, but it's just the opposite. He is listening. He does care. God is always working behind the scenes. There are so many things that we do not know that God does on our behalf. We have to remember that God loves us regardless of what happens in our life. Like just because something happens that we don't agree with or maybe something came out of the blue, that doesn't mean that he loves us less or that he was not aware of these things. God is all-knowing, all-seeing and all-powerful. So regardless of what happens in our lives, in our country, in our world, on our planet, it's important to keep God first place because what I've noticed in my life is when I don't put God first place, that's when things kind of feel like they fall apart. And if it gets bad enough, it does fall apart. That's when I cling to God the most these days. And for several years now, whenever I'm feeling uneasy or I'm not sure about something and I need to know that there are still good and wonderful things in this world, I rely on my heavenly Father. So I want to go through verse by verse like we usually do in this podcast and really talk about the goodness of God because there's so many things that the Bible talks about and if you think about it the Bible is very blunt. It's not wishy-washy. It's not murky. It's not politically correct at all. If you think about it, which is what makes God's holy word holy. 
is that his word is not dependent upon people. We are dependent upon him. And I'm very thankful for that because I can think of so many people in my life that over the years have let me down. Number 1, I forgive them and I ask God to forgive them and I ask God to bless them. But above all, yes, it it is hurtful and it's um painful when people let us down. But God never lets us down. He always has us on his mind and his heart and therefore we should always be aware that he loves us. He loves us more than anything. Like he created the planet for us so that we would have something to sustain us in the natural. See, God sustains us in the natural and the supernatural. Sometimes we forget that God really he functions more so in the supernatural than the natural in terms of what we we feel, see and understand. God is present in both in the natural and the supernatural, but sometimes we get frustrated with the supernatural because we expect things to apply to our five senses, right? We want to see it, feel it, touch it, touch it, that kind of thing. God is not always a physical god in that respect. Like there's so many things that he does behind the scenes. He helps us get us where we need to go and that's just how he is predominantly. Like you know, God is he's a wonderful god, he's a just god. I just kind of feel like sometimes we think that he's just going to walk up to our front door and give us flowers every day. Well, that's a very um I don't want to say needy, but a very unrealistic way of viewing God. Would that be a wonderful thing? Yes, but at some point it would get really old, because then you would just be ex- expecting God to do the same thing every day, every day, like bring you flowers or something to make you happy. You know, something very similar to that happened um, with the Israelites in the desert when they were on their way to the Promised Land. You know, they did not have food or water or shelter out there in the desert, so they had to completely rely on God. So, they got really frustrated and they did not know where their food was going to come from. So, he rained down manna from heaven, and this was something completely new. They had never seen this type of food before. Think about that. It would be like a totally new food pyramid for us, like a type of food that has never existed on this planet before. If you think about it, they didn't have Pizza Hut, they didn't have Taco Bell, they didn't have you know the typical restaurants that we think of and plus the typical food of what they had back then would probably would have been the Egyptian cuisine. And so whenever God gave them manna, they literally had no idea what it was and so they had to figure out how to cook it, how to prepare it, but also they had to rely on God to feed them every day except when they needed to collect double to make up for the weekend because there's one day of the week that they are not allowed to work and technically collecting food is a form of work so that's why on one day of the week they were allowed to collect double their portion if they collected more they were punished for that it it would rot and they would you know get in trouble and then they would get you know they would also get Moses in trouble for that because whenever you you hoard you're basically saying you don't trust God you don't trust God to to meet your needs you don't trust him to provide you with provision well in regards to the israelites they 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 got used to receiving this manna every day but guess what 
they got sick of it and they started to complain. They complained against God and they complained against Moses. Well, guess what? Complaining has consequences. Because just like the analogy I just gave where I said, you know, I think sometimes people think that God should just show up to their house and give them flowers every day, you know, before they go to work or something and that should make their day special. Well, guess what? It gets old when someone does the exact same thing, right? Well, that's what happened with the Israelites and with God. They got sick of the way God was feeding them, but he was testing them. because he knew that they were they were a fickle people. And what's interesting is that even though he was providing for them every day, it was as if they had completely forgotten about the good things that he had done for them, like freeing them from the hand of Pharaoh. They were completely released from slavery. And the entire planet knew about it. Because no one at that time had ever gone up against Pharaoh and no human being could ever get Pharaoh to release millions of people that he had been enslaving for like 400 years. But here's the thing, if the Hebrews, the Israelites, if they really just wanted different type of food, all they had to do was ask. Like there's a difference between asking and complaining. Complaining is where we're not appreciative for what we're being given. Asking for something new is is like saying I love and I appreciate what you're doing for me. I just really need this. It's not complaining, it's a request. And all they had to do was lift it up in prayer. Because they knew they worshiped the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. They already knew that and we see that here in the book of Psalm where it says the Lord of hosts is with us the God of Jacob is our refuge. They knew that. What's interesting is that even though they knew that they forgot it. What's interesting is that they have been crying out to God for 400 years. He frees them and then they throw a hissy fit over food. When all they had to do was <coughs> excuse me, all they had to do is say, "Lord, thank you for this food. Thank you so much for this. Can you bring can you please give us meat as well?" All they had to do was say thank you and then lift up their request, but instead they complained, they grumbled. They grumbled against God and against Moses. Big mistake there. It is very much a mistake to grumble against people that God chose to help free them from the hand of Pharaoh. Because that's like grumbling against God's prophets, against God's messengers, against God's servants. Like they they were becoming ungrateful. Well, sometimes if we're not looking at a gift in the right way, we become ungrateful. I think it's really good. I love that phrase, count your blessings, count them twice, meaning don't ever forget the goodness of God and what he's done for us. Because what he has done for us is not what he has done for other people. Like the good things that God has done in my life, he hasn't done for anybody else. Why? Because God serves our individual needs. Yes, he loves our families, our communities, our state, our country, 
All those things are great, but God loves us especially on an individual basis. So he knows what we need on an individual basis. Like what I need may not be the same as what you need, and vice versa. So our prayers are going to be different. Where the Israelites made a mistake was they didn't lift up their individual request. They didn't even go to Moses and say, "Hey, can you ask him if he could help us with this?" And just ask him. But also thank God for what he's already done and then thank him for what he's going to do. But they didn't do that. They grumbled and they they got punished for that. Because they were being ungrateful for the miracle that had occurred in this particular case where God created a new type of food. Can you imagine that? This type of food had never existed before. Manna is what they call it. So I think that is so fascinating. that God created the earth we have all these fruits vegetables all these different animals you know whether it's cows pigs fish whatever i mean we we have the entire planet to consume all these different types of vegetables all these different types of fruit but guess what God created a new type of food just for his people because they needed nutrients And get this, he provided it every day except for one day where they could collect double the portion so they could make it through the weekend. If it was me out there in the desert, I I would think, "Wow, our heavenly Father just created a new type of food just for us. He didn't do this for anybody else. He did this for us." That is true love. That see, that is the goodness of God. Yes, those the, the Hebrews, the Israelites were still in the desert. But God never forgets us regardless of what situation we are in. It doesn't matter what desert we're in, he provides. He always provides. And what a beautiful thing it is when he provides. I mean, I just think it's interesting that You know, the Israelites they know they serve and worship a beautiful, powerful, all-knowing God, but it's like they forget that he knows he knows their thoughts, their hearts. He can hear them grumbling and even if they're not speaking it which they were, he can hear what's going on in their thoughts and their mind and their heart and their soul. And he knew that they were not appreciating him. So not only did they get in trouble, but Moses got in trouble. See, I would I'm still I'm so surprised at the patience of Moses, really. Because can you imagine helping people, millions of people be freed from a tyrannical horrible government and you're interceding for these people and then you you help them cross a red sea that that is opened up by your heavenly father. like like you're doing all this stuff to help these people which are your own people but there are different points in time where they don't do what they're supposed to do they turn their back on God they grumble against you in this case if you're Moses and then they they're not nice to your family when they throw a hissy fit and then they they get themselves so worked up that they actually talk about going back to Egypt because they complain because because they think that God is limited. But God is not limited. Like we are limited. That's what makes us human. Like we we are not gods. 
Not by any means. So our thinking really needs to be, Heavenly Father, I love you and I thank you for everything you've done for me. Here's what I need help with at the moment. And I know that I can trust you because you love me. That's a totally different prayer and a totally different conversation than griping. Griping is not prayer. Griping is doubting. Complaining is not is not having faith. I mean, it's one thing, let me, let me put it this way. It's one thing to lift up a complaint in prayer. Like, for example, you're making, you know, a request to God. You know, let's say, for example, you know, I'll just throw something out there. Let's see. Oh, let's say you go to work. You went to work and you had a bad day. And let's say, for example, a fellow employee that you can't stand because they lie a lot and they're dishonest. Well, they got credit for something you did. And your boss is stupid, a moron. shows favoritism to the employee that you can't stand. And so they get credit for your work. So then you're praying about it. It is good to let God know about your situation. He already knows about it, but he wants to hear from you because he knows that what was done to you was wrong. God knows what's immoral and what's moral. He created the laws of this planet. He actually created the laws and the bylaws and he created nature and he created the supernatural as well. Like he created everything. So, whenever we are taking a request up to God and it's kind of I don't always say heated by any means, but it's it's like your heart is broken. And you're upset. That's not complaining. That's you pouring out the the hardship that you're going through. You're, you're, you're just letting God know, Heavenly Father, this is what happened in my day, and I need your help with this. Would you please help my boss to wake up to the lies of my coworker? Would, would you please help my coworker to start being honest and to continue to be honest and take responsibility for being dishonest? And, and you know, I would absolutely love it if I, if I could get credit for my work. because it means a lot to me. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing because here's the thing, God knows what you've worked on and what you haven't worked on and he also knows who who stole your thunder. Who got credit for something they did not even do, which mind you, that angers God. Like for example, whenever you're praying to God and you're angry about something, God knows when you're angry at him and when you're just angry about the situation. I love that about God. Because there's one thing I can't stand is whenever I'm talking to somebody and I don't talk to very many people about my personal life or things that happen in my life because it's very rare for them to under understand it the right way. Because sometimes I kind of feel like people get too emotional and then they they get how do I word this? It's like they get angry about what happened and then instead of you know being a good friend and and praying for me or um maybe offering good advice or you know just being a good a good friend and just listening they get angry about the situation and they turn on me i don't know why but yeah i'm not friends with those people anymore like that's a very evil wicked thing to do but they they get so wrapped up in someone else's drama that then they start acting in a irrational and 
kind of bizarre emotional state and it's like whoa 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 what happened here is what happened to me it's it's not about you it's about me when i'm telling my story and so what i've learned is that when when you're friends with people that you're not supposed to be friends with they'll they'll turn it on you and say oh it's all about you it's like well yes my life is all about me thank you for acknowledging that you know could, could i please finish my sentence or do you just not really care about me And here's the thing, if ever a conversation turns into something like that, which that has happened to me, that person is not your friend because a true friend will be quiet and they will listen to you. And they will console you and they will you know offer to pray for you. And they will also offer to pray for the person that harmed you and that lied about you or stole from you. See, that's a good friend right there. that that they know when to shut their mouth, shut their lip and listen as opposed to interrupt, interject their opinion when you know there's a time and place to have an opinion but it's not when someone's upset. It's not when someone j- just needs a a a comforting moment, right? Well, see here's the thing. I stopped relying on people long time ago for that kind of camaraderie because it's hard to find and it's rare. So I just go to God with my problems because I know that God is never going to interrupt me. He's never going to shame me or blame me or take the 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 evil person's side and he's never going to turn it on me and say, "Oh, is it just all about you? What about me?" God never talks to us like that. Never. That's why I love going to him with anything and everything that bothers me or things that I don't like or things I'm very concerned about because he God gets really quiet when he's listening to us and when he's listening to your heart when he's listening to your prayer he already knows what happened he already knows the injustice but he wants to hear you speak whether you're praying quietly or whether you're praying out loud because I don't know if you ever noticed this but whenever you open up to somebody and you say, "Hey, can I talk to you for a moment? I I just need I just need to get this off my chest. Can I talk to you for a moment?" Whenever you're done talking to someone and you just get that off your chest, there's something about opening up to someone and when they have compassion for you, it releases that burden so then you you don't feel burdened anymore or at least not as bad that's why god wants to hear from us he wants to take the burden from us that's what it means when it says in the bible cast your care meaning give it to god that's what he's there for give it to the lord give it to jesus that's what he's there for but if we don't cast our care if we don't tell him what's going on in our life then we're still holding on to that care because we think oh well god already knows everything he doesn't need to hear from me that is such a lie straight out of the depths of hell he needs to hear from us and he wants to hear from us and we see that in god's holy word especially with israelites when when they were not taking their request up to god it's so interesting because they had been taking up their request for 400 years to be freed from slavery and then all of a sudden they're freed and and then they just kind of turn their back on god kind of like tick for tack kind of situation and then they get angry at moses when moses was sent to them by god to help free them he was their representative 
I just find it so interesting whenever whenever people forget who's actually on their side, who is their ally. Just remember that God is always in your court. He is always defending you, he loves you, he guards you, he protects you. Don't ever hold anything back from God. Is he aware of it already? Yes. But he knows how the human soul is. He knows how our bodies are. He knows our central nervous system. He knows our our peripheral nervous system. He knows our cardiovascular system. He knows our immune system. He knows our 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 pulmonary system. He knows all of it. Why? Because he made us. He knows that we are not made to carry burdens. We are not oxen. You know, we're not camels. We're we're not beast of burden. We were not made to carry burdens like that. That's why we are supposed to bring it to the altar of God and and that's what we're doing whenever we're praying. We're actually going into the holy temple of God in a supernatural way and kind of a metaphysical way. We are entering into the to into the holy courts of heaven with our request. And that's how special prayer is. It's such a special moment. And what's even even more fascinating and beautiful and wonderful is that Jesus is our advocate. He's our defender. Like can you imagine having to go to court, like go to battle on something in our court system whether it's state or federal? And you know, say for example, the lawyer, the lawyer that you did have was not really representing you in the best way. They didn't have your best interest. That would be very frustrating. You you would probably feel very hopeless and just downtrodden, right? But then just think about when when you when you finally do get that that great advocate who flat out tells you you were wronged, you were in the right. I'm here to defend you. You don't need to worry about anything. I have your back. We're going to go in there and win. Don't worry about it. Let me handle all of it. That's who Jesus is to us in the body of Christ. Jesus is our defender. He intercedes for us. And that's technically what Moses was doing. He he was he was an Old Testament I word this. I guess that Old Testament intercessor in a way. And the people that he was interceding for turned on him because they became ungrateful and they started doubting God for some reason. I don't understand why. Cuz I would think that if if I saw my heavenly father open a body of water just so I could get to the other side and escape my enemy and then he closed the body of water on my enemy and and they died and perished, I I would think, "Wow, there's nothing that my heavenly father can't do but they but they allowed themselves to murmur and complain which here's the thing the moment we feel i do mean feel i don't always talk about feelings but here's the thing whenever we start to feel um frustrated or irritated just know that that is an attack from the enemy to try and separate us from god And so what I do whenever I feel frustrated or irritated I try and remember 
to turn on a, a really good song, a good worship song, or I go to Instagram and I look at something funny, or um, I'm following several different uh, Christian spiritual people on Instagram and I look up different quotes that they have, or even better, I go to the Holy Word of God and I start reading my Bible. I get my mind off of the frustration, like instead of ruminating over something that is irritating or or horrible, whatever the case may be. I turn it into a positive because I know that first of all I need to pray about it and just say God this is bothering me I know you can handle it I love you I thank you and I know I have nothing to worry about because I know you're already handling it and thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk to you about this and then I move on with the rest of my day that is way better than doing what the Israelites did and just get so frustrated and so irritable. that they turn their back on God and they start going against the 10 commandments. It doesn't make sense to turn our back on God, much less his holy word. So just know that if ever you're frustrated or you're irritated, you know, let's say you're you're irritated with a relative or maybe you're irritated at your spouse or maybe you're frustrated at the dog or the cat or your neighbor or you know Let's say for example you are a student in college and you're so frustrated at your professor or maybe you hate your professor because they're horrible and some of them are horrible. But first of all, we as Christians are not allowed to hate. We're not allowed to hate people. We can hate the sin, but not the sinner. Cuz just know that if someone's committing a sin, there's something else behind that and it's it's the evil one. So that's why we're supposed to pray for our enemies. It doesn't mean that we have to welcome them in our house, but we are supposed to pray for them because if someone is harming us in any way shape or form, doesn't matter what it is, we need to lift them up in prayer immediately because there's something going on in that person's life that is separating them from God. And so that's why they're reacting and acting the way that they are. So we shouldn't let other people's dysfunctional lives interrupt our relationship with God and and detract us from God. That's why whenever I meet people that I'm not sure about or maybe they creep me out or maybe they're mean or hateful or liars or cheaters, whatever the case they are, um I take it up with God and it just it it releases me from that negative energy. Because Negative energy costs you. It's a soul-sucking experience, and that's what it was like when I had some friends that were not good friends back in the day. And I just started to notice, you know, I don't always feel good when I'm around these people, or I just kind of feel like it's not always a pleasant experience, and it's just kind of, like, you know, if I feel like someone is just sucking the soul out of my body, it, that's what I call I call a soul-sucking experience when I'm miserable. or I feel degraded when I'm around certain people then I don't want to be around that. And I know that God will bring me the right people, the right job, the right employer, you know, you know, you know things of that nature. God will take care of it. But here's the thing, we have to distance ourselves from evil. And sometimes in our world, especially in the United States, we have a very hard time identifying evil because there's so much gray area these days. Well, thank goodness for the Holy Word of God because it provides us an excellent roadmap of what to avoid and what to embrace. 
what to love and what to hate. See, it serves us no good to hate people because God loves those people. He loves all of his children. Does that mean he approves of the bad things that they do? No, of course not. But this is why we are called to pray for them. And God knows that our bodies can't handle bitterness. We can't handle anger. We can't handle rage. We can't handle hate or envy or all those things that are the opposite of God's love. It's very damaging literally, like physically to our bodies when we are angry like that. Like let me put it this way, whenever something bad happens to us, whatever anger or discontent we feel, it is nothing compared to what God feels. Like like there are times that I've been so angry at stuff that's happened to me. But I know that whatever anger I have or had back then, it's nothing compared to the wrath of God. Because he doesn't like it at all when people mess with his children. And we are his children and believers of Christ Jesus. We have the favor of God when we believe in God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's technically our birthright. That's that's our heritage and that's technically our inheritance. That that's part of the covenant between him and Abraham. It it goes back to the beginning of our faith. It is a Judeo-Christian faith. It is a messianic faith. Because a lot of the scriptures in the Bible are are messianic scriptures. It's either words that Jesus spoke or there are things that are directly or indirectly referring to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Like there is power in the name of Jesus far above and beyond anything that you and I are going through. Like this war that's going on between Russia and the Ukraine, that's not a surprise to God. And he is handling it. He is handling it. He is comforting the Ukraine, our heavenly Father. He is drying their tears and he will handle the corruption that's going on over there. But we as Christians we we are not supposed to get upset and traumatized by wars because we know from God's holy word there there will be wars there will be earthquakes there will be this there will be that we're not supposed to be bothered by those things it doesn't mean that we can't react and help people that kind of thing but we're not supposed to be rattled by these things because our strength comes from God Our strength comes from our heavenly Father. And the reason why is because there's only so much strength that you and I have because we're human beings. Like eventually you and I will pass away. Like we we have a lifespan, you know, I pray that we all live to be at least 100 because I think that would be great. But even you know, let's say for example, you and I we live to be like 150. Well, for those 150 years that we're alive, we're not called to be sad or miserable. We are called to believe in the goodness of God, and the goodness of God is his covenant, his promise to us. So that regardless of what happens in our world, we rely and believe completely and wholeheartedly in our heavenly Father. That's what all that means. 
So we need to dry our tears and go to God. And if our tears and our hearts are heavy, we especially need to take those tears and our heavy hearts to God so he can dry our eyes. Because God always has his arms open to us. A loving embrace of a heavenly father. He is always comforting. So let's go ahead and take a look verse by verse of Psalm 46 here. It says God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He is our refuge and strength, meaning he is our shelter. He is our strength. So when we know that we we have strength that comes from God, we should know right off the bat that first of all we are not alone and that we we can't do it on our own and it's okay to admit that. I think as Americans, you know, we're raised in a way that we're supposed to be completely self-reliant and we're supposed to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps and we're su- we're supposed to have it all figured out by the time we're in our 30s or 40s and guess what? <laughs> That's not real life. And God never said when you reach this age you'll have this accomplished. When you reach this age you should have this accomplished. He he never sets those unrealistic expectations on us because he knows what world we live in. And being that he knows that we are mortal and not immortal, he knows that we need his strength. So one of the first things in gaining wisdom is to know that we are weak on our own. But in Christ Jesus, we are strong. And we will endure to the end. even to the end of time because our heavenly father is there for us no matter what it says a very present help in trouble meaning god is always there for us it's not oh he might be there or he will be there or he should be there or i don't know if he's there none of that is is true cuz right here we see in god's holy word a very present help in trouble meaning god is here right here right now He's in the room with you, he's in the room with me. Because he's present. He's not distant. He, I think sometimes people they, they fall for the false doctrine that we worship a god that's distant and doesn't care about us. I mean, if you want to feel hopeless, That's a great way to feel hopeless is to think that God has abandoned you and doesn't care and that he's too busy to help you. He is never too busy. We are his workmanship. He wants to be a part of our daily life. Not just once a week when we go to church. Not just once a month or once a year or or once a decade. He wants a daily relationship with us. because his mercies are new every morning. That means every morning he is looking forward to us talking to him. Just like I am with you right now, just talk to God. And if you're living in a house or apartment or you're living somewhere where you feel like you can't talk to him, like I am right now with you, then keep it private. You know, talk to God on your way to work. That's what I used to do. Because I lived with some people at one point in time that I, I felt like I couldn't really pray in, in, in the house I was living in. 
My relationships suffered because of the people I was living with. So I made sure that whenever I was alone, like in my car or I was walking or exercising, that was my time with God when I wasn't at church. And it made me like I always love however this I enjoy driving anyway, but it just made it even more special because it it was It was like I was entering the throne room and I really was because I was praying to God even though I was in my vehicle and I was driving to and from work. I could spend time with him and also I would spend my lunches with God. And and I'm not some super religious person that has like candles everywhere or you know certain garments that I have to wear for certain things. I'm not saying that you, that you can't have certain clothes or things like that, but My point is this is that you don't have to put on a show or you don't feel like you have to do things a certain way to get God's attention. You have his attention because he knew you before you were born. He created you. So you already have his attention technically. So don't feel like you have to do certain works in order to be good enough. You're already good enough. Because God loves you. always has always will verse 2 says therefore will not we fear though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea though the waters thereof roar and be troubled though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof salah that means pause and pray salah that's what that means so in these two verses 2 and 3 it says we will not fear even though there's trouble on the planet the the mountains it looks like they're going to crumble the waters are like a hurricane we will not fear and it says specifically pause that's what salam means meaning yes this stuff is going on but just remember to breathe the breath of life that god gave you And he gave you that breath of life while you were in the womb. It wasn't when the moment you were born and you took your actual first breath of air, you were technically receiving oxygen from your mother via the umbilical cord from her blood supply. That's how you were able to stay alive in the womb. But even so, your the the, the how were this The breath of life that God gave you in the womb was has technically already it was already there from the beginning in the garden when God created Adam and Eve that breath of life started there So you better believe that you matter because you do God loves you He loves you more than gold than diamonds than than jaguars or ferraris or castles or pyramids or you know anything that you think is just for billionaires or trillionaires you you are worth more than all of it that is the love of our heavenly father it goes on to say there's a river the streams whereof shall make glad the city of god the holy place of the tabernacles of the most high this is a really good verse because whenever we are praying 
even though we are not physically walking up to the throne room of God and we're not physically walking up to the altar of God, we are supernaturally approaching the courts of heaven whenever we are praying. That's what that is referring to. We are technically entering the city of God, the holy place of his tabernacles of the most high. So we are approaching a very holy and special place whenever we are praying. So just know your prayers matter a lot and you can speak freely before God. You may not be able to speak freely to everybody in your life and that's okay because technically we're not supposed to do that. And I'll say that again. We're not supposed to speak freely in front of anybody and everybody. Like not everybody, let me however this. You need to be careful what information you tell people. And that's just good advice, you know, that that everybody should live by. Just because someone's nice to you doesn't mean they love you. Just because someone smiles and says hello, that doesn't mean they're your friend. That's why the Holy Word of God says when you have friends, you need to test them. Because you need to see if they really are a good friend, if they are loyal. Like if they can be trusted with small things, typically they can be trusted with bigger things. But don't just assume that because someone is, you know, kind or smiles or is nice that that they have the integrity that you need in a relationship. You know, we need to be careful about how we approach things like this because I think sometimes as Christians we we become these these excuse me for saying this, we become stupid suckers. Because we think everyone is as nice as Jesus or God. That's not true at all. Are there nice people out there? Yes, but they are not God. And they don't love you the way he loves you. That doesn't mean they're bad, not necessarily. But your request need to go to God first, not people. Like I look at it this way, why would I want to why would I want to waste my time on someone that can't part the Red Sea when I can go straight to God? talk to him about my situation and then he'll tell me who I who I need to go speak to because just because you open your heart and your soul and you pour out your problems to a fellow human being that doesn't mean they're going to have compassion for you or empathy I learned that lesson some people could care less what 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 terrible things have happened to you and they they could care less about the tears that you're crying That's just how some people are. It's it's not pleasant, but just know that your prayers need to go to God first. Your requests, your petitions, your complaints, and I don't mean complaints as in grumbling. I mean that hey, if something has happened to you, whether it's physical, spiritual, financial, what, you know, emotional, psychological, whatever the case may be, anything under the sun that you're not happy about, you need to go to God first. Cuz God should be our number one priority, not people. That doesn't mean that all people are bad. It just means that we need to let people off the hook in terms of 
relationship building if that makes sense because if our relationship with God is really strong he will bring the right people into our life and will bring us really good friends to be friends with or bring us a really kind spouse or you know our children will be really good people you you things like that like put God first and everything else will fall into place the next verse says God is in the midst of her she shall not be moved God shall help her and that right clearly or that right early the heathen raged the kingdoms were moved he uttered his voice the earth melted so back here in verse 5 says god is in the midst of her so god is always near us he's not far away he's right there with us and it says god shall help her and that right early God will help you with anything and everything that you need help with and he's going to help you sooner rather than later. Like God is always on time. He is never late. He is always there for you. So then verse 6 says the heathen raged, meaning hey, there's going to be bad people out there. This is how it is. The kingdoms the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. God is always with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Salah. So again, it's talking about God is always with us regardless of what you know, what bad people do or what weird governments do or what corruption there is and that we serve a beautiful God. A wonderful God. And again, it says salah, meaning pause, pray or meditate and let that sink in that God is for you, not against you. Verse 8 says, "Come behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth." So we are supposed to be aware of the good things that God has done because if if we are not excuse me, putting it at the forefront of our mind of all the good things that God has done for us, then what are we thinking about? Are we supposed to be thinking about our problems, our fears, our terrors, our our hardships? No. We need to focus on the on the works of God, and that may sound it's going to sound completely opposite of what our world says, right? I mean, if you turn on the news, if you turn on the TV, if you turn on these stupid reality shows, it's just drama, 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 or as I say, drama, drama, drama. You know, we're not called to live dramatic, emotional lives. We are called to live. peaceful lives. We are supposed to have the peace of Christ in us. It's very hard to have peace in your life if you if you don't believe in God and if you don't acknowledge all the works that he has done on your behalf and for you and without your knowledge. There are some things that God has helped me with that I didn't even know he was working on for me. And then, you know, something will happen. And I'll go, that could have only happened because of my heavenly Father. There is no way I did that on my own. No way whatsoever. Or there's no way that person would have ever apologized to me unless God had corrected them. Or there's no way that person would have ever been kind to me out of the blue unless God had told them to. Like there are just things that happen that I know that God is involved in it. And I'll say this as well. You know, there have been times in my life where I didn't see a lot of good in my life, and it angered me, and it frustrated me. So, 
what I did instead of continuing to be irritated and upset when I couldn't see the good in my life because I was so heartbroken, I looked at the good that had already happened in the past from God's holy word and how much God loves his people and all the good things that he's done for his people throughout the history of time and from the beginning of time and it warmed my heart and it mended my broken heart it mended it he he healed he healed me of sorrow and dread and then once that healing started to take place then God started showing me, "Hey, these are the things that I did to help you because I love you." See, whenever we are so focused on our anger, our own wrath, our sorrow, our pity, our self-pity, our doubts, our worries, our fears, it's almost impossible to see the good things that God has done in our life and the good that he is doing. But when our hearts are being mended and healed, That's when we start to see, wow, there really are good things in my life. God is there for me and he has been there for me. There there is something greater here that well, how are there there's something here that is greater than me and I'm so thankful for that. It doesn't mean I'm not valuable. If anything, it means I am greatly valuable because God is taking the time to love me, to pamper me. to talk with me to to comfort me I mean I'll put it this way there have been times that I've received random text messages from people that I know and they'll say something like I don't know why but you were on my mind or my heart and something told me to reach out to you and just say I'm praying for you and I love you That is such an amazing text message or or voicemail to get or even a note. Sometimes I've gotten cards in the mail. I just thought I know that God is working something special in their life. And he let them know, "Hey, you need to pray for her." Th- those things are not accidents. They they are very intentional because we serve and worship a very intentional God. He intentionally made you and me. He intentionally created the planet. He intentionally loves us and provides for us. That's intentional. It's not accident. It's not just, well, I might be there for them. I might not. God's not a a a might be or a maybe or a what if or could be or should be. He is. That's why He told Moses when Moses asked him, "When I go to your people in Egypt, what name do I give so they will know I I'm I'm from you? How will they believe me?" And he said, "Tell them I am sent me." That's pretty definitive and intentional. There's no ifs ands or buts about that. God is who he is. And he was making it very clear, he is the one and only true God and he loves his people, and that would include you and me. because we have been grafted into God's holy family. And what a beautiful family it is because we have a hedge of protection around us. That is God's promise to us. These slings and arrows that the enemy is is just flinging at us. You know what? You need to look at it as your your armor, your your Bible, God's holy word is a bug zapper. And I love that. 
Because I know that regardless of what the enemy tries to bring my way, God's going to zap it and it won't come near me. So I shouldn't allow it to bother me mentally, physically or emotionally or spiritually because God's going to zap it. And you know, considering that the spring and summer is right around the corner, I encourage you to buy a bug zapper and put it out on your porch. And whenever you're out there at night, just look and see how many bugs get zapped and just go, "You know what? That's exactly what my heavenly Father does for me." He zaps all the slings and arrows. And it's just like swatting a fly. Like that's how powerful our heavenly Father is. He swats all this bad stuff like a fly, whether it's from the evil one or or if it's a, a bad person that is choosing to be evil, he can swat it. So we if God can swat it, we shouldn't sweat it. We should be at peace at all times, at all times. It goes on to say He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. That tells me right there we should not be deterred or upset by any war. And wars are not pleasant, they are horrible. People usually end up dying. There's usually death and destruction, disease. God can stop any war. and he can repair any family he he can renew the face of the earth and he does this all the time just think about all the wars we have ever had on this planet and guess what we are all still here the human race is still here and we still have love love is not gone god is not gone his covenant with us does not evaporate just because a war broke out god's covenant is still very much active we should not be deterred by any bad news on the television which is why we should shut it off see cuz there's a thing the news media they make money by causing hysteria and by causing people to be anxious meaning like oh what's going to be on the next 30 minutes oh what, you know what is cnn going to say tomorrow What what's the latest news flash on Fox News on Sean Hannity? We shouldn't care. I I look at it this way, if I need to know something, I will get a text message. That's how I look at. It. But I do not have the energy, the brain space or or the emotional energy to listen or tolerate the news media right now. I just don't. I haven't for several years because I thought why am I wasting my time on situations that I'm not personally involved in, but I can pray about it. Like if I have two options, I can either watch the news and be fearful and not sleep very well, or I can just pray about it and just know that hey, it's going to be all right. And then I can go on with my life. I can be there for my family. I can be there for my employer. I can be there for my friend. And more importantly, I can be there for my church. And number one, I can be there for God because He wants me in His family. Nowhere in the Bible does God say, "Surround yourself with negative people and listen to everything that they say and believe them over me." He never says that. So I think we are putting way too much validity. and way too much of our energy into the news media. And I am grateful for what they do when they inform us of things, but but there's just 
there's just too much. I miss the boring news. I miss the news. It was just they just presented the facts and they moved on. They didn't have a panel. They didn't have this hyperactive music playing. They didn't make it seem overly dramatic. Um they didn't make it political or they didn't make it like seem life-threatening all the time about every little thing. Like it was just this is what happened. This is what it is. It was just a short blurb. This is just to make you aware and then you move on. Technically that's what happened when our grandparents were alive and our great-grandparents. Like they didn't have time and they didn't care to waste their time on living stressed out because they knew they had a life to live. That's just how it was back then. Like if you think about it, I remember my grandparents telling me that the way that they were made aware of stuff was either via the radio, which there were only a couple stations back then. This was way before everybody had televisions, right? Or the newspaper. And you got the morning post and the evening post. That was it. What a blessing that would be, right? We you know, you would not be constantly bombarded with stuff. You know, it's interesting there have been several statistics that have come out that have said across the board the more time people spend on social media, the more depressed they are. The more anxious they are. The more they worry. Our brain literally cannot handle hours and hours and hours of social media. It just can't. We were not made for that. It's what I call yet again a soul-sucking experience. I even deleted my Facebook account and my LinkedIn account. I got sick of it because I was like, well, if someone needs to get a hold of me, they'll call me or text me. I mean, if if they need to get a hold of me, they will find a way. But you know what? I have a way more relaxed lifestyle now that I'm not on social media like I was before. Like I may go on Twitter every now and then. I use Instagram way more, but I usually go on Instagram, you know, to, to look at positive things, and I do not allow myself to spend too much time on it. I restrict it, and also it's really hard on your eyes. It's very exhausting. So if you work in front of a computer all day, the last thing you want to do is spend even more time on your phone, or tablet, or whatever you use for social media. because it's not healthy for your brain and it's not healthy for your it's not healthy for your your I don't know if you want to call it your psyche but it's not healthy for you in a psychological way, an emotional way, in a spiritual way, in a physical way. Like it's you really need to guard and protect your heart and your mind. Like the Bible wasn't kidding when it says you need to put on the full armor of God. That includes the helmet of truth. Do you believe every little thing you see on social media because if you do, you're going to be hyperventilating all the time. And that stress definitely takes a soul uh sorry, a toll on your heart, literally your heart, your cardiovascular system, your blood vessels, your capillaries, as well as your heart or sorry, your lungs. And also your nerves. I would say your central nervous system and your peripheral nervous system. That's why as Christians we are called to be a peaceful people. That doesn't mean that we won't ever have to fight. But you know what? 
when we do need to fight, whether it's for our country or for our faith, guess what? If we are already exhausted from wasting our time on things that are not really important, then guess what? We're not going to be really we're not going to be equipped soldiers and we're not going to be able to handle the things that we should be able to handle because we've been wasting our time and time and energy on things that don't really matter. So it goes on to say be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen, I will be exalted in the earth. I love that verse because it tells us to be still. Not hyper, not nervous, not overtalkative, not popular, not a movie star, and there's nothing wrong with being popular or a movie star, but it says to be still. meaning God wants us to be peaceful. He wants us to be happy. Because he knows there's only so much our our mind and our body can handle. We need to relax. Otherwise, we're going to have a really difficult life. And also, if we're not relaxed, if we're not being peaceful, For the majority of our days on this earth, our days will be limited because there's only so much stress the human body can take. It just is. Like just think about some of the most stressful occupations there are. And then look at the life expectancy of the most stressful occupations. People that work in stressful occupations do typically do not live as long as those that work in a limited stressful occupation because whatever we are around all the time is what affects our body whether it's positive or negative and i would say that if you work in a stressful occupation which i have in the past and i hated it what i would do and what i did I went to God with and I said help me get through this. Help me find a better job, a less stressful job, a less stressful work environment. But help me to get through this and to not be stressed and to just view this as a nothing. That I can have peace in my heart, in my soul and in my body and in my mind regardless of what situation I'm in. And you know what? The Lord helped me with that. He granted my request. It was amazing. I couldn't believe how relaxed I was. I had not been relaxed in years. Because I'd fallen into the trap that, oh, you're an adult, you know, you've got to work a lot of hours, and if you have a stressful job, well, that's just how life is. It doesn't say that in the Bible. It doesn't say that we should tolerate less than God's best, or, we, or that we should accept less than God's best. Can tough times happen? Yeah, but but we shouldn't plant a flag or a tent there and just live there. And just go, "Oh, well, this is how my life's going to be. It's going to be difficult. I'm going to be poor every day of my life, or I'm going to be sick every day of my life, or I'm going to have a horrible, hateful boss every day of my life." No. We need to learn to draw a line in the sand. Distance ourselves from things that are not from God and draw closer to him. Because the more we distance ourselves away from the bad things, the closer we get to the good things. Because that's what God wants for us. 
So the last verse, it says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Salah. I love that. The Lord of hosts is with us. What an honor it is. You know, considering that the Lord of hosts is with us, I would think that that would just tell us that we are special to him. We really matter. We are not orphans, we are not abandoned, we are not forgotten. We are we are treasured and highly valuable. I mean, if you and I were not important, then God would not be with us. But he is with us. And it's the Lord of of hosts is with us. You know, the Lord has a lot of things to do. But we are his prized possession. We are his treasure. We are his creation. So even though he has a lot of things to do, we are still his top priority. We are still number 1 to him. We are loved, cherished and valuable to him. We are worthy. How many people do you know that think you are worthy or that know that you are worthy? I think it's kind of rare these days cuz I can tell when I'm talking to someone or when I'm at lunch or dinner with someone, I can tell when someone when someone respects me in in a, in a different way. It it's like they know that I'm I'm not garbage. I don't know how else to describe it, but it's like they're not just going oh well this here here's this woman from Oklahoma yeah that that's Leslie yeah she's from Oklahoma who cares yeah yeah thanks for the meal Leslie not that I'm paying for them because I wouldn't but especially not for someone that's bad but or that's disrespectful to me but my point is this you know when someone actually loves you you know when someone actually values your opinion or values your words and they love to talk to you and they love to listen to you they love to converse with you and the, and they are giving you their full undivided attention what a beautiful thing that is the last part of this verse says the god of jacob is our refuge salah the god of jacob is our refuge what a beautiful statement what a beautiful statement God is our refuge. So we know right there that he he's like our our ultimate fortress. He's providing a shelter regardless of what happens in this world. Regardless of what happens in our lives, but regardless regardless of what happens in our finances or our job or our relationships, he's our fortress. He's our refuge. Meaning he cares. I love this because whenever I think of the God of Jacob as our refuge, that's someone that we can trust always like 150,000 billion trillion percent. He's the one we can trust. Because there is no evil in God. That's why I know When I read things like this and I'm reminded that God is my refuge, I don't need to fear him in any way shape or form like that. 
Do I need to have reverence for him? Yes, of course. Because he is worthy of of my praise and my honor and those good and wonderful things. But what I'm talking about here is that when I know that God is for me, who dare be against me? Because he loves me. You know, for for many years now, whenever Valentine's Day comes around, I'm almost always single. It's very rare that I have a boyfriend around that time. And it used to bother me when I was younger because I don't know why, but but whenever a guy is single on Valentine's Day, it's like, "Oh, he's the bachelor." But whenever a woman is single on on Valentine's Day, it's like, "Oh, ooh, she doesn't have anybody. Oh, no one really. Oh, gosh, that must suck for her." Like there's just a negativity towards women. I can't stand it. I don't know why. Um, but here's the thing. I got sick and tired of being shamed for being single around certain holidays or certain times of the year. So, you know what? I just made it a positive. And so I just started spending more time with God. And so whenever Valentine's Day comes around, it's actually one of my favorite holidays, regardless of whether I'm dating someone or not. But when I started to look at it in a positive way in that I know that God loves me, whenever I would walk down the aisle to look for a Valentine's Day card for like a relative or a friend or something when i saw all those hearts and i saw all those kinds of candy to celebrate valentine's day i thought you know god has such a big heart and he loves me he technically loves me more than any human being ever could on the face of this earth And so now it warms my heart and it has for several years now whenever there's Valentine's Day and you know what when I looked at it from the point of view that God loves me he's always with me and he thinks I'm pretty special because in his eyes I am special Then whenever certain holidays come around where typically you know you want to be dating somebody whenever I look at it from God's point of view that I'm already special and I don't I don't have to prove anything to anyone to prove that I'm valuable. I'm not worried about that stuff anymore. I could care less. Because I know that if people are looking down on me because I'm single or I didn't go on a date or something then they're the problem, not me or their mindset is the problem and they're shaming and blaming. Well, guess what? There is no shaming or blaming or condemnation in Christ Jesus. There's none. You know, it's interesting is that over the years I've actually really enjoyed um being single on Valentine's Day whenever I look at it from hey, I get to spend time with God because he loves me. What's interesting is that I'll hear people that have like horrible Valentine's days or they have like a horrible date or their spouse got it wrong and I just find it kind of funny in a way because it's like okay, so here they are, some of these people, not all of them, but some of them they're they're looking down on me. for not quote unquote having somebody or because I didn't hook up with somebody because I'm not the type I'm not the type of woman to hook up. I'm I do not believe in that. But they look down on me for not being sexually active or they look down on me for not hooking up or playing the field. But yet they're complaining about the craziness and the the destructiveness of their life basically. And just like, wow, do they not realize how much stress they are they are causing in their life? 
And they think that what is going on in their life is normal when it's not. And so because they're looking at they're looking at situations through their own lens, they're actually misinterpreting what's going on in my life. Like they think that my life is the problem or that the way I live my life is wrong. Even though there's a whole lot more going on in their life that's quite bad, and I pray for them. But I learn to just kind of laugh it off, not laugh at them. I'm not talking about that because that would be evil. That's not right to do that. But I just kind of—I've learned not to wear my feelings on my sleeve and to not get offended by people that you know they could care less about whether I'm happy or not. But I learned that the only reason why, or one of the reasons why they were looking down on me, was because they were already miserable in the relationship that they're in with their with their significant other. So they were just being a bully to me and anybody else that was single or maybe is in a relationship that's not serious just yet. I just thought, you know, sometimes I'm grateful I'm single. Especially in moments like that because I would rather be single than be with the wrong person. Cuz there for a short time in my 20s I felt like I always had to have a boyfriend especially around Valentine's Day. Especially in college because it was like if you didn't have a hot date on Valentine's Day, you were considered unworthy and flawed and you weren't worth dating. It was like a competition. It was horrible. I hated it. I was like this is not right to treat people like this. You're just using them for a date. In some cases these women, these young women were just using these guys for food. And it's like, you know, that's not right. When you go out with someone, you should actually be interested in someone, like it should be someone that has your attention. You know, they're not just a a, a human body there for your your entertainment or for you to use them sexually or financially or whatever the case may be. Cuz that's pretty evil to do that. And let me say this, I should correct myself. It's it's not pretty to be evil. It's actually quite hideous. But I actually got shamed and blamed for not being easy. For not for not sleeping around and for not having somebody and for not, you know, going all the way with a guy or something like that or just weird crazy stuff and I thought like, I just thought you know how far away are we going to get from God before we wake up as a society and realize sometimes we are no different than the Israelites in the desert when we just think that well yes God did this over here but now we're going to do what we want to do but oh wait a second now there's consequences well we don't like this now they're crying about it You know, sometimes it's a blessing to be in the desert. Because sometimes when you're in the desert, God is protecting you from really bad people that you don't need to be around and he doesn't want you to be around them. So he's making a way for you through the desert so you can get to your promised land. That's why God did not want the Israelites to settle in areas outside of the promised land because he didn't promise them these other lands he promised them the promised land but the israelites they they kind of kept getting complacent it was almost like a tennis match 
Yes, I'm in I'm on your side. No, I'm not. Yes, I'm on your side. No, I'm not. Yes, I'll worship you. No, I won't. It's like this tennis ball that goes back and forth on the court. And you know, at some point, God's going to ask, "Which side of the net do you want to be on?" Do you want to be on the side that's blessed or cursed? That's basically what it comes down to. Do you want to be blessed or do you want to be on the other side and pretty much feel like you're always cursed all the time because you're not living in the covenant of your heavenly Father? We do have choices in this world. And in terms of how I live my life, I would rather be blessed than be cursed. Because I know what it's like to just be frustrated all the time. And I can't stand being frustrated because it's exhausting. In fact, it gives me migraines. And I'm just like, you know, if I'm getting a migraine over something, I'm like, okay, obviously there's something going on that is causing me some kind of physical pain. Well, how do I avoid that physical pain? I figure out what's causing it. And I address the issue. See, if if we don't acknowledge what's actually bothering us, then we're then we're not really going to believe or acknowledge that just like this verse, the Lord of hosts is with us. Because if all we're ever acknowledging or if all we're ever believing in is that well, my anxiety or my high blood pressure, my diabetes, my this, my that, why would you claim any of that? Excuse me. I'm not saying that you deny the facts of things that are going on in your life, but you know, I would rather focus on God being with me. I don't want to focus on anxiety or hardship or poverty or anything like that. Can those things happen? Yes, but here's the thing. When you focus on God, any of these other things that are outside of the blessing of God that are frustrating and irritating, they're temporary setbacks. they're temporary but when you focus on the temporary setbacks you're causing them to become permanent because you're looking to them and not to God that's why it says the god of jacob is our refuge don't make your problems your worries and your doubt your refuge because they can't protect you all they can do is harm you and deter you and also hurt you that's why there is safety and blessing and favor and abundance in the Lord of hosts and the God of Jacob that's that's what it means when it says the God of Jacob is our refuge there is no depression in a refuge there's no anxiety in that there's no heartache in that there's technically no death and disease in that if we make God, the God of Jacob, our refuge, we really have nothing to worry about as Christians, as the people of God. You know, I'll give an example. You know, like for example, um, I did the 23andMe test. I sent in my saliva because I wanted to see, hey, what is my genetic makeup, and I, I want to get in contact with people in other countries that I know I have relatives out there. And there's this option to look at your health reports. And so what they can do is they can look at your DNA and they can tell you whether or not 
these really horrible diseases run in your family. And it gives you a disclaimer and a warning that if you're prone to anxiety or nervousness or things like that, you should avoid this test. You should avoid this report. And even though I don't stress a lot, I don't have anxiety like I used to, why would I want to invite in trouble into my life? Why would I want a report that I have no idea if it's even 100% legit? You know what I mean? Like here's another thing. I don't care what a medical report says. I only care what my heavenly father's report says. And my heavenly father's report says though he is with me because he is the lord of hosts and also he is my refuge. Because whatever we tolerate is whatever we allow to be contaminated. And here's another thing, you can actually fool your brain. You can talk yourself into being sick. Let's say for example, you were to get that test that shows you all these medical reports, you know, of like, you know, Alzheimer's, you know, ALS or all this other stuff or stuff, all the really bad stuff, right? Well, guess what? If you read that, then you start to think, "Oh, well, this is genetic testing. It must be true." How do you know that? It could be flawed. It could be flawed data. It could be a false positive. And here's another thing. Let's say, for example, some of that stuff does run in your family. Who cares? I'll say it again. Who cares? Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Death and disease have no place in our life. Like we should not be fearful of any of that stuff. So I'm just like, you know, even though I'm not worried about that stuff at all, I don't want that in my life. I don't want that in my inbox and my email. See, I don't want to plant a seed of doubt. I don't care how small a seed it is. I don't want that. I only want the holy word of God to to take root. We've got enough problems in this world. And plus what good would it do to see a report that goes, "Oh well, you know, your family has early onset of this, early onset of that." Well, guess what? Though let's say for example it is true. Here's the thing though, they're just statistics. Statistics are not 100%. So let's say for example, you know, you read the American Heart Association. I'm just making this up. But let's say for example it says 40%, 40% of the population um will have high cholesterol and or one heart attack in their lifetime. That's 40%. Well, guess what? That's just a statistic. And how do you know which group you're in? Are you in the 40% that yes that will happen to you or are you or are you in the 60% that there's no chance it will happen to you? Like there's all these different factors that happen. You know, like for example, there may be some people where they have breast cancer that runs pretty rampantly in their family. That doesn't mean you're that for sure 100% you're going to get breast cancer. How do you know that you don't have a super amazing immune system that you know that that can swat out anything? Like there's all these different factors. You know, we really need to be careful 
what information and what information we allow into our brain and also what we let take root in our heart see cuz you know i could have easily said yes i want that data but i looked at it and i was like you know like i could care less i'm going to live my life to the best i mean i'm not denying that you know certain diseases take place in this planet But I know that God can cure anything. He's cured me of so many things over the years. What am I worried about? Nothing. All I want to do is get in contact with people that I know I have relatives in other countries. Like I I don't want any how are this? I don't want to give my brain cuz sometimes our worst enemy is is ourself, right? Sometimes it will technically it would be the devil. He's our worst enemy, but the the battlefield is in our mind, is what I was trying to say. So we need to be careful what we plant there. Cuz at this point in my life, I'm doing great. I'm healthy, I'm happy, I'm whole. I I mean, I I've just like anybody else in that, you know, yes, I do get irritated about certain things. but i i give it to god every single time because i don't i don't ever go to bed mad or angry or upset i don't allow it and if i wake up feeling anxious or if i can't get to sleep i do everything i can to start praying about it because i just don't want anything that's outside of god's covenant to take root in my life because i've been there and i'm not against testing and against medical doctors nothing like that they're great you know they've made some great discoveries over the years and i know that they can treat different diseases and cure them and and things like that but i look at this way what if you were given a report and it was a death sentence and there was nothing they could do for you would you continue to put your hope in those doctors or continue to put your faith in in modern medicine when It's it's only as modern as we can currently make it. That's how it's always been because we're human. We don't know everything. But here's the thing. We have a physician that can heal us of anything and everything and that is Jesus. He is our divine healer. That's why it's so important to take our our request, our complaints, our concerns, our anxieties We need to take that to the Lord first. Especially really serious stuff. Cuz one of the ways to deter disease and to stop it in its tracks is to stop the misery that's in your heart and in your mind and in your soul. So that way your body, your physical body has a chance to at least start healing itself. That's how we should be living. We should be giving ourselves a chance to heal, to grow, and to be restored and renewed. That's how we stay alive. That's why whenever I'm not very happy or if something comes up that's distressing, I purposely watch something funny even if I'm not in the mood to laugh, and I keep watching funny stuff until I start laughing, like I force it. I don't force myself to laugh if I'm if I'm not feeling it, but I force myself to watch things that are just super hilarious. 
you know, to, to get outside of oneself. Basically, it's not all, how do I word this? It's not all about me, it's about thee. My misery is not a surprise to God, but he wants to heal me of it and help me. So when I'm not so consumed by what's going on in my life that I don't like, but I put God first, guess what? He heals me of all those things that are bothering me or hurting me or harming me. Like that's why it's so important to focus on the good things of God. Because when everything feels or seems like it's going wrong, that's when we need to focus on what is right, what is true, what is loving, what is kind, and that is our heavenly Father. And you need to go to scripture and God's holy word that is relevant to you and to you alone. Cuz there have been times that you know like I would open up to somebody and they're like, "Oh, well you need to do this, this and this." And you know what? It meant nothing to me. It wasn't relevant to me. Even though yes, it's God's word and I I tried to you know, make it correlate to my situation, but I didn't really get much out of it in that moment because it's not where God was calling me to read or to meditate. Because again, God is very intentional in his love towards us. God calls us individually by our name. He knows what we need, when we need it, and he knows how to talk to us in a way that we understand immediately. So now whenever I need a positive word from God, I go directly to his holy word. I don't go to people, nothing against people on that. Sometimes you need a pastor, you need a mentor, things of that nature. Those things are great. But our first and best resource is God's holy word. Sometimes it's just a single verse. Sometimes it's just a single word. Like sometimes I'll think of a word that I've seen in the Bible and then I Google how many times it appears in the Bible and then I go to every verse that has that word. You know like strength, courage, or the phrase take heart. Your things like that like things that are relevant to you the way that God speaks to you is not the way that he speaks to other people. It's really a love language. And I'll say that again, it's a love language. And it's intentional. God is very intentional in his love for us. It's not an accident. It's not, "Yeah, I might love them, I might not. I might save them, I might not." No, that's the fickleness of our society and our world. But that's not God. God's not fickle. His holy word is our strength. And what a beautiful word it is. I love it. It sustains me, it completes me. It makes me feel whole. And the reason why it makes me feel whole is because it mends my broken heart. It heals the wounds. It calms my nerves. It heals, you know, any and every infection I've ever had to fight off, every concern I've ever had. That's how powerful God's word is. 
So like for example, you know, in this particular episode, we've been going over Psalm 46. And yes, it's a beautiful psalm, but let's say for the for example, at the end of this podcast, you're like, "Well, yeah, it was a nice episode, Leslie, but I didn't really get as much out of Psalm 46 as you did." Well, that's okay. Go where God wants you to go. Sometimes sometimes these things are just stepping stones, you know what I mean? Like sometimes someone will say, "Hey, go look at this. You might like it." And even if I don't like it, it might trigger something where, "Hey, go look here instead." That's the Holy Spirit talking to you and guiding you and leading you. You know, you may not enjoy Psalm 46 like like I do or what I just did. But that's okay. You might like Psalm 91 a lot better or something or maybe you don't like the book of Psalms. Maybe you you like the the gospels better. That's okay. Go where God is leading you. It's not for me or for anybody else to say, "Hey, you have to do this. This is how you should look at it." That's not at all. That's not how people grow in their faith. And here's another thing. It is not my job as a vicar of Christ to tell you you have to think this way. That's technically heresy. Because if I were to say something like that, that would be deterring you from going where God wants you to go and how he wants to guide you and protect you and comfort you. See, even though I am a vicar of Christ, I technically am a reverend. I technically am a pastor. It would not be wise of me as a shepherd or a shepherdess technically. It would not be wise of me as a shepherdess to say, "Oh, yeah, you should drink from this stream, not from that stream." Even though God may be telling you to go to this stream over here because maybe you need something extra special in that water. Maybe God's speaking to you in a different way that I don't know about, and that's okay. Like that's why I love to listen to different preachers. I love to listen to to different messages. I mean, I have my favorites and my go-tos, but I love listening to new prophets and new evangelists and I love hearing their thoughts on things. Even if I don't completely agree with it or maybe, you know, there there have been times I've listened to episodes on YouTube. I'm like, "Well, that was a semi-waste of my time," but eh. It's okay cuz I always learn something new, but I always try and find something positive. But I will say this, whenever I come across a really good message, man, does it inspire me to dive in even more into God's holy word. See, I look at it this way. Whenever I'm giving someone a message, especially in regards to God's holy word, whatever I'm saying and what I'm doing is not supposed to take the place of God. or take the place of his holy word. Cuz again, that would be heresy and that would be wrong. If anything, I'm just a servant. That's all I am. I'm just a servant of God. Yes, I'm a reverend. Yes, I'm a pastor, and I take those things very seriously. But it's my job to help lead others to Christ, not deter them from Christ. So just know that wherever God is guiding you 
It will always be good. It will always be holy and it will always be true. But that is it for this lovely episode. I will go ahead and end this podcast. But until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy and whole, that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Don't let this world go down